Hello, and welcome to episode six of Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail. I am your host, John Eskelson, and I hope you're having a great day. Today, we're going to talk mostly about first aid kits and a couple of key things to th keep in mind when handling wilderness first aid. But before we get to that, I want to take a moment to uh, give a shout out to my grandmother. This past week, my grandmother, Jan Eskelson, turned 99 years old. I now think she weighs less than her age. The only reason I bring her up is that she has spent a lifetime adventuring, particularly in her and grandpa's RV. I doubt she has the same RV today that she did when I was growing up. But when I was 13, uh, they took me up to the Blue Lakes in Canada for a week. We stayed at a camp uh, where they knew the family who ran the place and just had a marvelous time with them. I know that they traveled all over the Western United States. They went to you know, Arizona, Utah, California, Idaho, Montana, and all points in between. And since Grandpa's death several years ago, she continued RVing with her friends. Uh, she went most recently at last this past fall. I know she stays closer to home now, uh, to her Seattle area home now, but she still goes out and spends time in the woods, which is where we should all go more often. She's just simply an inspiration to me. Today we're going to talk about uh, medical knowledge and gear and really what one needs in order to be successful in the woods. This may not seem like a very big deal, but one of the things I've realized as I've been sorting out my gear and kind of what and honing what I'm going to bring with me is that I just have way too much stuff in my medical kit. Specifically, I've realized I've never um, prepared my medical gear for how I'm going to uh, handle my own care, but rather the type of stuff I've been bringing is for larger groups like my family or scout hikes. Additionally, I've realized that it's been a couple of years since I've attended a wilderness first aid course and I need to get recertified. At scout camp a couple of years ago, um, the camp physician, who was a surgeon at one of the military bases in Germany, taught us for a week and uh, helped us get our certification in wilderness first aid. And it was very useful. Um, but like I said, I need a refresher. So I'm going to put that on my list of something to do this year. There are a bunch of different courses out there, obviously. Um, the one that I found most easiest to, uh, to go do is a Knowles certification course. Um, they do a two-day weekend course through REI that's relatively inexpensive. And since REI is all over the place, I, don't, I wouldn't have to travel far to do it. I do need to figure out how to get REI to pay me for all these references, but I digress. What I thought was most important as I kind of went through literature on what to carry for medical gear on a backpacking trip, like what do you really need, is kind of more the way to approach um, approach first aid in the wilderness, you know, kind of reviewing my notes and whatnot as opposed to what one actually carries. Um, because I'm accustomed to carrying first aid for a group, there's a lot I'll be able to weed out from my pack and slim down. But so what I've did, what I've done, what I have done is ask myself um, a series of questions 
on first aid. The first question I asked is, what sort of wilderness scenarios am I likely to experience? I uh, talked previous episodes on the things on the trail that want to eat me. So we'll take precautions for that, like ticks and mosquitoes and whatnot. Um, there's going to be the challenge of foot problems like blisters and the like. Getting poked or cut or something, that's going to cause bleeding. Getting burned from, I don't know, my, stamp, my camp stove. Um, there may be times when I fall off the trail or have something hit me from above leading to head injuries. Um, I don't know, there's a bunch of different issues. I'm a middle-aged dude, so perhaps a history of poor self-care will catch up to me and I'll have chest pains. Anyway, there's lots of different options out there. I'm sure there's more, but we'll stick to this short list for the time being. The second thing I was thinking for is who is the first aid for? And there's two likely focal points. First is myself, and second, someone, someone I come across on the trail. Third, because it'll just be me this go around, I won't need to bring as much as I otherwise would. After all, it's dead weight until you need it. So I'm going to be focused on more on probabilities than on possibilities. And then fourth, what is the rescue potential on the trail? One of the reasons I chose to do this particular hike first from Harper's Ferry south through the Shenandoah Park is that it's really a pretty urban area, all things considered. The Washington, D.C. suburbs extend well into the Shenandoah region, with housing developments in the Lynchburg area coming straight up to the area of the Appalachian Trail. And people commute in and out of places like Aldi, Middleburg, etc. that abut up to Shenandoah. That means that there's emergency services and cell service uh, along most of the route. Furthermore, once I'm in Shenandoah National Park, there's lots of people all over the place all the time there. Um, and finally, since I'll be heading southbound on the trail, there's going to be at least some plucky northbound travelers on the AT itself. All that is to say that there'll be plenty of people around, both by foot and by other means, that I should be able to quickly access uh, should something serious occur at this point. Finally, what degree of risk am I willing to assume? I think I have sufficient knowledge that I can do many of the necessary first aid skills, and I should be in pretty good shape to worry less than if I were in, say, the 100-mile wilderness up in Maine, where it's pretty remote and you really are out in the middle of nowhere. So I was thinking about uh, a couple of different scenarios in which one would n need to leave their hike. And a lot of it would be based on the assessment that you'd make about whether someone is sufficiently injured to leave the trail or could potentially uh, stay and move on. And so I imagine coming across someone on the trail who needs medical care and how, I'd, how I would assess what sort of injuries they may have or how someone would assess me if they were to come across me and I was injured. And I took or refreshed myself on how the Army would uh, army taught in, to do assessments for casualties in a combat situation. And I think that there's some value in thinking about it in this way because it's an organized logical flow. To assess somebody, the first thing that you'd ask, you'd see is whether the injured person is responsive. Are they conscious or conscious or not? And if they are, then you can ask them 
if they're okay and ask them where it hurts. Um, that allows them, that is the first thing. If they're unconscious, you know, uh, clearly you're going to treat them for, for one set of injury, you know, treat them for shock and try to keep them stabilized. And you'll have a lot less ability to figure out what is wrong with them um, than if they were, than they are awake and alert. If they are awake and alert, moving on to step two, step one is if they're awake and alert, step two is asking, asking them if they're okay and asking them where it hurts. That kind of response will kind of help direct you to, oh, they cut themselves on the hand and they fainted from a small cut or um, they can't breathe and can't speak. So that goes to the third question, can they breathe and respond to you? Um, obviously, if they can't breathe, then the answer is that, uh, you know, you need to remove any obstructions for breathing and help them uh, get their breath again with uh, CPR or some other uh, similar mechanism. Next, the next question is to determine whether or not they're bleeding. Um, is there blood uh, soaking their pants or their arms or something else in something horrific? Or is it really just a minor cut and they fainted because of the side of blood, which is perfectly legit. Following an assessment for bleeding, checking if there's any broken bones. This is particularly important if there's a spinal or neck injury because of how you'd handle that, right? If they have a broken arm, you might be able to get them set up uh, sitting on their bum as opposed to laying down on the ground. Um, whereas if they have pain in their back and they have potentially broken their back, then you're going to want to just stabilize them and see if you can get help to come onto the trail uh, and be very careful so as to minimize any further injury. The next phase is looking and determining whether there are any burns. Um, is this just uh, a campfire or a stove gone wrong? leading to burns. Anyway, that's the last question that you would ask. So are they awake? Do they know it hurts? Can they breathe? Are they bleeding? Are there broken bones? Are there burns? And then you can make a determination of what sort of pain medication is needed, whether and if to move them, and how to get them to an evacuation site. The second scenario I was thinking about was if someone has sufficient injury that they went into a shock. Now this is common. I mean, this usually stems from someone with a, when something happens and there's a sudden drop of blood flow within the body. Most times shock is temporary, but it is normally caused by some sort of external trauma. Um, something like heat stroke, where one is just not getting enough uh, water into the body. Uh, maybe they did cut themselves and there's blood loss. Maybe they have a bee sting and they have allergic reactions to it. They burn themselves on their stove and they and their body reacted uh, to it, or something else where their organs are not getting enough blood or oxygen. So it's not necessarily that someone necessarily go get um, you know attention if immediately and be evacuated from the trail but it's very likely that if they go into some serious enough shock that they will need to i mean some of the symptoms associated with shock including 
include having cool and clammy skin, having a pale or uh, pale skin or bluish tips on their lips and fingernails, um, the their pulse and breathing increases rapidly, they're nauseous and vomit, their pupils enlarge, they are weak or fatigued, and they have dizziness or fainting. The way to treat shock, or someone in shock, I guess, is to get them laying down and elevate their legs and feet slightly unless it will exacerbate some existing injury. Keep them still, loosen any tight clothing, and if needed, cover them with a blanket. Unless you assess there's some sort of spinal injury, uh, roll them on their sides if there's a desire or need to vomit or there's bleeding from the mouth. In not just a shock type in situation, but in any of these medical situations, if there is someone else around, send them to find help and call 911 so that you can focus on the individual in need of help. Otherwise, stay with the person and wait until they've come out of shock, which could be for some time, and get them ready to evacuate the trail. One of the things I've found by refreshing my notes, uh, myself with my notes on uh, wilderness first aid, is that in a wilderness first aid environment, the primary goal is not to get the person up and walking again, but getting them into a position where they can leave the trail in a tent and get more uh, formal uh, medical help. I've already briefly identified the next scenario, which is if there is a head or spinal injury. In these situations, the key is trying to stabilize the person and get them make sure that, that you do not move them um, in order to minimize the effects of the injury. Instead, call 911, keep them still, and find items that will help stabilize them. They'll hold their neck and head still. For some head injuries, lying a person down and uh, keeping the head and shoulders slightly elevated, um, but, but that's got to be really careful. The last scenario I'll, I'll discuss um, of life-threatening situations is that of a broken bone, especially if you have a compound fat fracture. Um, there's five quick steps. First, stop the bleeding if needed. Second, and this is going to be the technically difficult one for most people, is splinting the area. So for instance, if someone has a broken leg bone in their leg, making that splint out of uh, brush or other things around you, if possible. Third is taking the time to reduce swelling and prevent further injury. Fourth, managing the pain of the individual uh, with a broken bone and their level of inflammation. And then fifth, helping move them to an appropriate evacuation location. So what am I actually going to be bringing? Um, I have a list of things that, of areas that I want to address, but I don't have like fixed number of tablets of ibuprofen, for instance. But uh, I'll be bringing some pain relievers, 
<clears throat> like naproxen or ibuprofen or Tylenol. I'll be bringing some uh, foot and blister relief, uh, some Leucotape and some gauze to help my feet. I'll bring some wound relief materials like wireproof band-aids and assorted sizes, some triple antibiotic ointment, and some disposable gloves, as well as some benzoin shirt to help improve stickiness in case I need to get secure uh, some gauze on my feet. Um, I'm thinking about bringing some crazy glue or some duct tape that can be used as a wound closure on a temporary basis. Um, I've been looking at antibacterial and uh, alcohol wipes to clean wounds, uh, some 4x4 gauze pads. I've been looking at over-the-counter type medic medications like Benadryl, Sudafed, Imodium for diarrheal relief, and some caffeine tablets. And then hopefully I can pack it all into a one-quart Ziploc bag. My goal is to try to keep the packaging around four ounces total so I'll have to look at the different materials and uh, the different trade-offs and see how much of each I'll bring. So I'll talk about what I'm specifically bringing in a later time. So that's it. That's all I have for today. Um, next week, my hope is to be ready to talk about different navigation aids. Um, but I'm still learning some of the cool technology out there that exists today that I wasn't made, I didn't know about. So instead, we might talk about food and nutrition next week. Let me know what you think and leave a review if you like. Uh, we'll be back talking more about backpacking next week. Thanks so much.